As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, a podcast about a life following Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, uh, uh, with me is uh, Jason. Good evening. And, and making his way away from Vicarage Road is Mike. Good evening. I'm wearing, um, let me tell you what I'm wearing. I've How got many a layers? Spot, a lot. I'll run through some of the, uh, some of the better, uh, better items. I've got a Spartak Moscow woolly hat, okay. um, a New York Yankees underarm, a sort of hooded top thing. And the pièce de la résistance is like a uh, snood that my sister bought back from uh, Ibiza. It's like a David Guetta yellow and blue snood. So uh, what an, an eclectic mix. It's doing a decent job of keeping me warm tonight. You're ready for a rave by the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a freezing cold night. Another 2,000 Watford fans are back at Vicarage Road. And I bet they f- missed the experience of a cold Tuesday night of championship football. Because it ended 2-0 to Watford against Rotherham 2 First half goals, and it was another game of of two halves. Overall, Mike, though, it was a, a game against the newly promoted Rotherham. We were one up within minutes, two not long after, and it was a, a professional performance by Watford. Yeah, I mean, what was noticeable very early was the difference in the challenge facing us from Saturday. You know, if if Cardiff were the perfect championship, if you like, side, very very well drilled, very focused on shutting us down. Uh, playing high up the pitch. Rotherham looked every inch aside, struggling for for form, and they, they, they were missing some players as well, I think. So they were a, a very, very different proposition, and what I loved initially was the fact that Watford set about their job of putting, putting them to the sword, didn't they? They looked decisive and threatening sort of every time they went forward, and after 14, 15 minutes, they were tuning up, and that was the game done, which was, which was good to see. Jason, um, you know, you look at the, the teams come out and you go, oh, look at that. It's 4-4-2, four, four, uh, except it really wasn't, really. It, was it, what, was it, what, what would you call it, Jason? 
Hey, yeah, it, it was a it was a, a four four two in everything but shape and play and at times it looked like it was a two two six. I, I just love the way it was so fluid. You had both fullbacks were were bombing on sometimes at the same time. Sometimes they'd be overlapping the the wingers. Sometimes the wingers would be playing narrower and getting into the box. Um, and then even the midfield were, were getting forward. And it wasn't just one of the midfielders. It was either Chalabar or Cleverly. No one was had a set roll, you sit back, I'll go forward. It was fluid enough that either could get into the box. Um, even Trooster Kong had a, had a, a, a wander into uh, opposition territory at one point, sort of got, got near the 18-yard box. Our centre-backs were almost, I think they were sort of beyond the centre circle. We, we, we were that far forward at times. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite enjoyable to watch. And, and the, the thing that struck me that was different to Saturday was, I think, players getting into the box. I, there was a moment on, on Saturday when we were chasing the game where we'd played some patient football. Keener had the ball out wide and was ready to cross it in. And we had two men in the box to their five. Whereas this time, Ngakier on one side, Feminier on the other side would have the ball and you'd have both wingers and the strikers and uh, one of the midfielders all trying to get into the box. We had options there to, to cross to. Um, and it, it just made such a difference. The front two, though, Mike, it was a, a two slightly bigger lads, slightly taller at least, um, slightly older and a bit more experienced when you take out Pedro from that uh, attacking pair. But Dini was in this game far, far more than he was on Saturday. And that, I think, was a, a massive difference for me, not just the fact that Parizza was playing. Yeah, I think I was excited to see these two together, two sort of classic archetypal um, you could argue they're both sort of um, classic number nines, couldn't you, really? So I was excited to see what they could, uh, they could do. And as you say, and as, as Jason alluded to there, we just looked more threatening with our attacking players, lo and behold, getting into more attacking positions. Um, on Saturday, Troy was having to come so, so deep for a whole host of reasons. And that, that wasn't the case today. He was able to play um, far more forward and get himself into, into more dangerous positions and the other thing to to repeat again about Troy Dean is just about how vocal he is on the pitch and how he organizes and marshals the the team and he was he was very much doing that with with Parizza who is I think he it's, it's quite nice to watch him he's I think some of these Watford players still seem slightly jaundiced slightly ponderous um, and unsure of, of of what they should be doing or how they should be performing and Parizza sort of has the the appearance of like a, a newborn lamb almost, sort of gambling around, <laughs> desperate to sort of find his feet and, and to get that goal and to, and to play well for Watford. So I, I really like him, but Troy was having to sort of tell him where to be, certainly when, when they were dropping deep for, for defensive duties. But you really can't overstate how, how much more vocal Watford are when Troy Deeney is on the pitch. It, it makes such a, such a big difference. It can't have been easy for him the last few games because that's what the third different strike partner he's had in those games, he, he started with Gray, then with Pedro, and now with Parisa. And it looked quite hopeful at the start in terms of a partnership with the um, the chance that Parisa had. He was probably unlucky. The keepers made a good save. Obviously, that then led to the corner that led to the first goal. I don't know. For me, it didn't, it didn't quite gel as a partnership as well as they did in those first few moments for the rest of the game. Yeah, so I, I, I thought with that, with that chance early on, they, I thought, oh, this this looks really good. They're gonna this this partnership's gonna develop. We're gonna get opportunities up front, and it just 
uh, from that point onwards, it just didn't quite happen. Like like Mike said, Troy's instructing Parisa what to do. It just it wasn't quite as natural as you'd expect it or, or want it to be. Um, but if they do play together more, then hopefully that would come with time. That for me is probably the most disappointing aspect. Is that yes, it didn't it didn't click between those two. However you look at it, you know, the, the bottom line is Watford have won the game 2-0. They're up to third. They kept a clean sheet. They bounced back, which is what they had to do. But, and they did their work early. And really, and truthfully, Rotherham didn't threaten enough for it to be an uncomfortable evening at any stage for us. But the thing that sort of disappoints me slightly, to take it on a few steps from Pete Parizza and Troy not, um, not really gelling, was that after we scored, we sort of got incrementally... Well, worse, I felt. I thought that early cut and thrust disappeared. The dynamism disappeared. The, the fluidity that, that Jason was so happy about rightly early on turned into sort of just a shapeless, lifeless lineup. I thought. They, they, they didn't seem to be able to sort of cut through Rotherham at all. And well, that's a second I, half, though, Mike. That's a second yep, half where yep. I felt like the, the beginning of the second half, it wasn't... Watford gave up. It was almost like, all right, lads, let's go and control that game. We'll take our foot off the pedal a little bit, but let's control that game, build their frustration up, and then possibly go at them later in the game. The reason we didn't necessarily go at them in the best way later in the game was lots and lots of changes, and many of those changes are players who are really not coming on to to give us the next level. They're coming on to get minutes on the pitch. It felt it felt like a, a a very clear choice. I think that I think my I think you might be right. I think my frustration comes from looking at the game in the context of our season, which is that it has it's been a stuttering start. And you know, you look at the league table and crikey, all of a sudden we're on thirty points, um, and there is a lot of teams in this division who would kill for thirty points. So let's you know we, we need to we need to be clear that that a stuttering start. It's not a disastrous start, but we know the performances haven't been quite right. And that, that sort of Dini and Parizza uh, partnership kind of sums things up, I think, for me. OK, but not quite clicking. Looking like it might be do some damage, but not quite doing it. And that's where Watford have been for really the majority of the season, if we're perfectly honest. What I, what I didn't like about the game was it felt like a missed opportunity. So it felt like a missed opportunity to give us a, a real springboard to get some confidence. Now, you talk, John, about getting minutes in legs and so on and so forth. This team, undeniably, needs a spark. They need to remember how to win, win well. And I, I can't escape the feeling that after such a brilliant start, and, you know, you think it's, it's the easy thing to do as a football fan, or tune it up after 15 minutes, this is going to be a rout. How often is it the case where they actually go on and score loads? Not very often. But that's what Watford needed tonight. And that's why I mentioned at the start, the way Rotherham was set up, they were, no, they were nowhere near as disciplined as the side we faced in Cardiff. They were nowhere near as talented in terms of their personnel. They were nowhere near in uh, physicality or focus. There was an opportunity there for an incredibly talented Watford side to really, really flex their muscle, put them to the sword, 4-5-0, and then we, everyone moves on together, happy, focused, ready for the next challenge, feeling like, OK, here we are, we've started. I disagree. I absolutely disagree. Because it feels like Saturday was almost a disaster 
on so many levels, particularly because it was new, all their fans back at Vicarage Road. This was another chance to, to do something to show actually we can win games of football, which they did. It was also a chance to not be, not show themselves up again against the, you know, another set of fans following them. And, and you say it, it absolutely wasn't a massive step forward. It wasn't a step back straight on the path that we want to be on. But it was a step that you have to do over a very long championship season. And so it, you saying a missed opportunity feels, I don't know, like we missed the opportunity. We got all, we got the maximum number of points we could get. And there's a, one of the things we had to get, the opportunity wasn't to, to be you know, five steps forward. It was actually just to know that we can do it and that's how we do it and we can see out difficult games. I do, I, I do agree, and this championship season is going to require us to grind out games like that. It is going to require us to win games in, a, in an unattractive, unentertaining style. That's just the reality of it. Mike, it's unattractive because of the outfit you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, can t- I can tell you a little bit more about my sartorial elegance a bit later on. But what, but, but what really strikes me, John, is your and this is by no means a criticism of you or Watford, because as you rightly point out, they've won the maximum amount of points. The goal difference got, has gone up by two. So from a statistics point of view, it's a great evening. However, your sort of take on it is that we didn't, make a, we didn't, we didn't muck it up, effectively. It represent, it's representative, I think, of this, what, of this whole approach from Watford so far this season, which is don't lose. And they haven't dominated a ga- still haven't dominated a game the way that I'd like to see. And th- th- it, was a, it was a great first half, did the job, and then I thought the second half was pretty turgid. And yes, the job was done. But what this Watford team needs a spark, guys. It really does. And, it, and that needs to be self-belief and confidence. And I, I just worry, and I know I'm being a right old nag after winning 2-0 at home. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> We, you know, how, do, how are they going to feel tomorrow after that? Are they all going to bounce into the training ground? No. Six feet tall? No. Thinking, right, we can take on all comers. Do they have time to do that, though? Is, it, is the fact that the games are coming quick and fast, it's, it's, sat, it's weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, it's almost like they don't have time to rest on laurels or, or whether there are laurels to rest on or not straight after a game. It's then straight on to the next game. I think they can they can turn up tomorrow and say, OK, job done, because that, without being too cliched, that's what tonight was, job done. And then look forward to the Birmingham away game on Saturday. I don't think there will be any, oh, yeah, weren't we great last night or we could have done better last night. I think it's focused next game, Birmingham City. For me, the, the second half was almost sort of two phases that the... the early stages of the second half when perhaps we could still have dominated. We had a warning shot fired across the bows that Foster made a, a, a good save of. Um, I think that was their only shot on target. We perhaps could have looked at that and gone, OK, let's get a grip of this game. Let's let's do as we did in the first half. Let's dominate. Let's, let's attack. Let's see if we can go and get that third goal. Uh, but then towards the end, when that, that didn't happen, the changes were made. And then after that, we just looked tired. I thought mistakes were being made. The number of times we got caught offside in that sort of last quarter of the game, that's lack of concentration. And that usually is because the team's tired. Ball was being passed out of play. Um, players were sort of looking for, for fouls that weren't there, looking a bit frustrated. And, and it just, yeah, for me, that 
it sort of went from not not uh, forcing us or not in, imposing ourselves on the game in the second half when perhaps we had an opportunity to do and then just sort of tiring towards the end. And I sort of don't want us to bound in the, uh, the training ground tomorrow going, hey, we've won, aren't we great? I want us to bound in there going, hey, we won a game of football, well done, but there's still work to be done. Because if we, if we won that 6-0 and they absolutely skipped into the training ground tomorrow, then actually that would be a very much a false economy. Because if you go skipping in, you're not going to go and do the hard work, which we all know, quite clearly, still needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is for me, and it's very basic, and it's not a, uh, I'm not going to get, get a, a job as a head coach on the back of it. Watford need to get their mojo back, and it needs to happen pretty soon. And I think you, everything that you guys have said there is, is absolutely right. And I think the offside point that Jason made was an interesting one. I think it actually feeds into what you were saying, John, which was um, trying to hit, you know, just wait, 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 and hit them. And I think some of those offsides were pretty close and, and not necessarily... I think they were just a mistiming issue. I think Parizza's one, I'd like to see it again. I think he was very, very close to to being uh, being onside, actually. But we almost sprung them, didn't we, a couple of times. We almost got Sarin behind and we almost got Parizza in. And, you know, on another day, that could have been two goals and 4-0 and it would have been a very different conversation from from my end. So... Having, having talked it through and listened to you guys, I think perhaps it was a better performance, a better showing than, than I initially gave it credit for. But I just do have this sense that, and you know, this, I could be the malaise around the place. I could be the miserable old thing that's, that's making it all feel fun, not fun. I just think they need that spark. And I don't think it's there at the moment. I think, you know, and it kind of shows, I think, on the faces of the players. We're not getting Ishmael Asar into, into games, I don't think. We need to find a way to unlock his potential because he's looking increasingly unhappy and his, his impact is, is diminishing. Yes, good win, third place, handily positioned. Loads and loads and loads of questions again at the end of, a, end of the match. I'm delighted with the win thrilled with the win it was comprehensive really it was decisive early we did the work but I think there's just question marks over getting the best out of these players on a more regular basis this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. 
Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. At half-time, Mike caught up with Adam, uh, the uh, Watford correspondent for The Athletic. Remember, this: uh, there's always an offer on for new subscribers at The Athletic. All you need to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash rookerend. And at the moment, you can get buy one, get one free. Yeah, if you buy one for yourself, you can gift one to a friend or a family member uh, and they'll get all the great analysis uh, and insight that you get with The Athletic. Uh, Mike had a chat to Adam about, well, almost that, that, that feeling that we had after the Cardiff game. Uh, and sp- certainly on social media, there was a, a feeling of someone needed to be blamed uh, and the searching for that certain somebody. Here's what Adam had to say to Mike at half-time. When Watford were, even at that point, 2-0 up. Half-time here at Vicarage Road. Uh, Watford 2, Rotherham 0. They've just had footloose on the... Uh... <laughs> Foot loose on the uh, on the tannoy, and I think that probably sums up everyone's mood. A bit happier about about things. And at one stage, the groundsmen, there's three, four, five, six of them out there with their forks, uh, sort of dealing with the uh, dealing with the pitch. And at one stage, they were all poking the pitch in exact uh, rhythm to uh, to foot loose, which was which was rather wonderful. So feeling a little bit better about things as it stands here at Watford. But but that said, it has been a a tough start to the season really overall I've been quite critical I'm here with Adam you've been a, a lot more pragmatic in your approach and but I think it's fair to say overall the supporters understandably have looking have been looking for something or someone to blame for why it hasn't necessarily been going as well as it has been tonight earlier on in the season I think this is probably the most Watford have imposed themselves on a game in the entire season there's probably reasons for that but they should be doing it more often, in my opinion. Is there anything, anyone to blame for this sort of slightly stuttering start to the season? You can apportion blame if you really, really want to. I do. <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you need to. And I understand that people need to expel the frustration and they need to blame someone. But I think if, if, that, is the, if that is your sort of, your MO... It is. <laughs> ..then it's a, it's a collective rather than an individual and I think too much this season so far has been focused on just the head coach oh he plays he plays boring football it's too much it's too difficult to watch and all that sort of stuff and I mean you know I've got no sort of vested interest in the success of Vladimir Ivic apart from the fact that I think that someone should be given time and that's basically how I've sort of seen things at the moment with my own eyes from a, a journalistic point of view but also from a fan's point of view as well. I think that there needs to be a bit more patience. And I think, you know, you've, you've used the word blame there. We do sort of exist in that, in that culture, don't we, where someone needs to be at fault because otherwise, well, what's, what's happening? It, it has to sort of be, you know, polarised in that, in that way. And I think that that's sort of almost a trap that we are almost in, um, in, in at a high level at Watford because our confidence is so fragile. And that obviously has come from last season and the feeling that, right, we need to get up straight away. But as we've seen, you know, I suppose it's sort of like in a little microcosm, we were sort of so down after Cardiff 
we've had 45 minutes against Rotherham. Yes, it's Rotherham, but it just shows you how things can change and how quickly they can change in the championship in particular. Obviously, it's, you know, it's so frequent that you're playing games. And that's why I think it's even more important to just sort of take your foot off the, the aggressive pedal sometimes and go, right, hang on a minute. Take a breath. Let's really think about where we are. Yes, things can be better, but there can also be a process, and that's all right. It doesn't have to be, he's wrong, he's got to go. And obviously, you know, we've been conditioned because of what's happened at the club. We understand that. But you have to snap out of that, otherwise it's not sustainable. So, you know, that, that's the long and short of it. Patience is okay. A few errors here and there is okay. It doesn't need to lead to a sacking. It can just be something hasn't gone quite right. It's like in business. It's like in life. You make mistakes. You learn from them. You kick on. It's okay. What doesn't break you will make you stronger. And that's what Watford are experiencing. It, it may not surprise you to hear that I'm going to play devil's ad- advocate here. Yeah. And yes, I completely understand that this is a team still struggling for confidence and identity after a bruising season and a difficult season for a whole host of reasons last time out. But you mentioned taking your foot off the gas, and I know you meant meant that in a metaphorical sense in terms of the, the, the Watford universe taking a breath and trying to reset and get going again. But, you know, this is Watford's, what, second game in four, four days. There isn't really chance... To do that, perhaps, and, and, and I know you meant it metaphorically, but it feels to me like this Watford side have almost completely taken their foot off the gas, literally and metaphorically. The way they've played has been a team desperate not to lose or at least scared to impose themselves on the opposition. And is that the sort of... I don't want to blame anyone either. I'm actually a nice bloke deep down, believe it or not. And I agree with the, with the general point you're making. But, and you say the, the Watford fans need to, to snap out of it to a degree, and, I, and I, I agree with that. We need to have some patience. But if this head coach can't motivate these players to snap out of their post-relegation, post-COVID hit season, their malaise, it's, is it just natural that the, the, the blame's going to fall at, at his, his door, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. I mean, you position it like that. <laughs> yes. You know, how can one person not motivate the, the 20 people that are out there? You look at the balance there. You look at the, the sort of the... Who's motivating the motivator? Right, OK, so Ivic is, Ivic is doing all he can, right? You've got 20 guys there who have got built-in motivational facilities. You, you have to do it yourself. It doesn't need one person. Yes, we know that a manager is really important. You set up a team. You you send them out there with clear instructions. Yes, if you're not motivating someone, yes, I know, I understand. But come on, come on. They are the ones that go out there. Those are the ones that are in front of goal. They're the ones that decide to open up their body and glide the ball home or hit the goalkeeper or hit it wide. There's a limit to how much a head coach can do. They know that they've got enough. And you're right, you know, we're in a perfect position now to discuss this in a halftime of a game where they have been at it from the get-go. I hate that saying, but I've just said it, but it is. They have been at it. They've been full of energy. They've been moving into positions, moving the opposition around. They've been making runs in behind. They've been demanding the ball. 
doing everything that you are expected to do. That's the bare minimum. The bare minimum. 24 se- 24/7. They need to be doing it at home. You know, the whole lot. They need to be making runs in behind the in, in behind the washing machine to, to to get things. You know, that, that Mrs. Semmer you just got a text message from. <laughs> you know, that is that is basically what you need to do as your benchmark, and they've done it. And that is sort of if you look at the communication from a, from a head coach to a team. Right, come on, lads. And this is, you know, you look at, um, like, the Amazon documentary and you'd be sitting there, and I've been watching it with my wife, and, you know, she's found it absolutely fascinating that the limitation on actually what you have to say to footballers, come on, let's go out there, let's be first to the ball, let's show passion, let's show energy, it's standard stuff. That exchange then needs to be transferred into the players and they actually need to go and do it. And they've done it today. So they need to carry on doing that and then they will get the benefit because... They are, on paper and in reality, better players than the majority of the players in the championship. They have to motivate themselves sometimes. And, you know, and, and reflective of that is you're not going to get into a situation where they go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not playing well today. He'll be gone soon. We'll get someone else. That's not going to happen. Let's snap out of that because we've got an opportunity under a head coach who seemingly can set up a side well not to not to concede goals which is something that we were very very good at <laughs> last season you know so that's a standard you've got a good benchmark you've got a good solid foundation and now we've got an opportunity hopefully with more players coming back and more opportunities I'd like Dini and Paritza up top together to come and score goals and make the crowd sing and make the crowd enjoy themselves that's all you ask for so at the end of the day, I've sort of gone round in circles, <laughs> but you basically go, look, you know, take, take, take a little bit of time to really think about the bigger picture. The players need to go out there and perform. And when they do, they get more confidence. So it's, there's so many different elements. Going back to the first question, don't worry about one thing. Look, about the, look at the collective. And I think, you know, we're gradually, gradually seeing things come together rather than the other way around, that it's always going to be on the head coach. A rallying cry there from Adam Leventhal just as the players come out for the second half. You can hear the crowd roaring their approval as they come out. They've had the first goal to uh, cheer about since February as well. So, so far, so good. Patience and more dynamism. We're moving in the right direction. Come on, you on it. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. Uh, away to Birmingham City, Jason. <laughs> Would you be uh, annoyed if we uh, win that 2-0? Uh, no. <laughs> that, that was a bit of a pointed question, wasn't it, John? <laughs> yeah, not, not at all. I'd be delighted with a, an away win. It's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> Again, it's gonna, it'll be a tricky place to go, uh, St Andrews. Uh, I, I don't know, are they, what's the situation in Birmingham? Will they be allowed fans? Tier 3, yeah. Tier 3, so, so nothing doing. I don't know too much about this this Birmingham side again sort of having spent five years in the championship you sort of lose lose track of the the teams that would traditionally be uh, your rivals um there are sides that have been in the championship quite a few years now not really threatened the uh the players I don't think in recent seasons more likely sort of looking over their shoulders at the risk of relegation but that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy game it's another one of those if we turn up there feeling complacent because we've we've come off the back of a win at home then we will be in trouble well they're away at reading tomorrow uh, and we'll see how they do against uh, uh, another side sort of in and around the top where we are on the 30 point mark that we uh, we all seem to be at this at this point in the top six but mike you know is there any sort of players you particularly want to see 
shine a little bit more, who maybe didn't shine tonight or haven't shined for a while? I wonder if Will Hughes has done enough perhaps to, to get a start, whether he's back to back to fitness, get get him involved in the in the centre there, see what he can do. And 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 I'd like to see, you know, I just want to see our attacking threat increase. I don't think we're anywhere near close to, to, to posing enough questions of the opposition, making the opposition goalkeeper work hard enough. Ismail Assar, I, I'm desperate for him to have uh, a good game and just for us to work out how to get him into the game. Obviously, he gets close attention. Every, every team knows who he is. Every team knows about his pace. Everyone knows he, he, he's skillful and quick, so he's going to get treated um, accordingly. But that's up to us. To, to work out how to get him into a game. I talk about Watford needing their mojo back, needing a spark. Well, he's someone who definitely can provide it. Early on today with the, with the fans back in the ground again, which was great. Saw their first couple of goals, which was amazing to hear the cheers. But every time, you know, at least early on when, when, when uh, Ismail Asar got the ball, there was that crackle, that sort of anticipation, that good good hoping it was going to happen. And it just it didn't again for what for whatever reason. So I'm really desperate. I'm just willing him on to to a successful performance. I do wonder whether he might end up having a break. Um, who comes in if he if he if he is rested? I don't know. But it surely must be getting to the stage where he does have a rest. As Jason said, it's what Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It's pretty relentless. That's three games in four days for me, and I'm absolutely knackered, and I'm not not playing. He's one that I'm just desperate for that blue touch paper to be lit and, and off he goes. Pedro looked a little bit lost, I thought, when he came on against uh, alongside Parizza tonight. So, again, to get a decent game under him, I just think there's so much uh, of a confidence issue with these young kids. They Young kids, listen to me, <laughs> Brenda. Um, they, they, these youngsters, I think if they're confident, they'll be dangerous. And I, I have to say, Ismail Asar looks slow on confidence at the moment. Pedro looked a little bit, you know, wayward tonight. Things weren't going his way. So I just, I'm just desperate for it to click up front. And I, and I can't help but feel, I know it's an obvious thing to say, that those guys could be instrumental. They could be the catalysts in just asking more questions of defenders. And desperate for that, that, that final third to start, start firing. We can tell, Mike. We can tell. <laughs> so can I be positive? We're talking about Saar and, and what we need to make him tick. What going back to the game tonight? What or rather, who pleased me tonight was Ngakia. I thought he had a fantastic game getting forward when when he could in the first half. I thought in the second half, when obviously we were playing in a very different way, he had to be more defensive. He had, uh, I think it's Carl Vassell sort of drifting wide left on his side, um, trying to cause problems, trying to stretch the play for Rotherham and Ngakia matched him pretty much all the time, got a couple of good tackles in, did his job defensively really well and I just thought was on his game all night. So if he's playing on Saturday and we want to get more out of Saar, if those two can form a good partnership down that right-hand side, then um, hopefully things will be positive. Let's hope Mike is. Ha <laughs> uh, We'll be back after that game for another podcast as we are after every single game uh, and uh, we hope you can join us then as you have now. Remember, you can follow us on social media, at Wolf Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Uh, remember to subscribe to The Athletic to get more of the writings of Adam and all the fantastic journalism that they put out by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend. Thank you very much, Michael. 
I am positive. I am pleased. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Every player that we've mentioned, I was just thinking about it as you were talking there, John, not that I daydream when you're talking. <laughs> Every player we mention is a fine, fine footballer. You know, we've almost casually just thrown Ngakia in at the end there. Brilliant right back, brilliant signing, lots to, lots to offer. And it's the same throughout the pitch. We just need to get them going. I'm sure we can. I'm positive. I'm going to go to bed happy, believe it or not. It's just three words, isn't it? Come on, you all. Come on, <laughs> Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Good night, John. Sweet dreams, Michael. <laughs> <laughs>